text for the sermon this morning is the first part of verse 18 of 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, 18, the first part. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we first moved to our house here in Owen Sound, we planted some flowers and bushes and later some hedge cedars, and I'm amazed at how those, uh, those plants grow over time, over the years. We trim and prune in the fall and over the winter. They gather strength to grow over the summer again. It's amazing. I, if things didn't grow over the summer, we'd become concerned and we'd wonder if there was something wrong with the plants could get them to grow again. We, we just expect plants and, and trees to grow. God expects us to grow. When he plants faith in the hearts of believers, he expects growth in that faith. Expects us to grow in our relationship with him in Christ. That's one of the the main themes in the letters of the Apostle Peter to the churches in Asia Minor. Probably the main main theme of those letters. Growth. The churches in Asia Minor were getting established. People were kind of where they were, but Peter says you can't stay where you are, you need to grow. And that's his, his push throughout both of these letters. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. He urges uh, uh, people, the Christians, to desire the pure milk of the word so that they can grow thereby. And we touched on that earlier on last year yet. And in the, in the part we read from 2 Peter 1, he exhorts believers with all diligence to add to their faith Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, and so on. Presses, presses Christians, presses us to grow in faith and in the fruits of faith. And in our text for this morning, at the end of the second letter, he commands Christians to grow in the grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that command in our text, means we should all be growing in our Christian faith and our life of faith. God expects us to be growing, not just holding our own, growing. And that's something he expects from us also this new year. So I preach to you the word of God in the text with this theme, Let's Grow in Christ. We see three things in connection with that, the need for that growth, the areas of that growth, and the means to that growth. First of all, the need for that growth. The Holy Spirit, through Peter, commands us in our text to grow in Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's not a nice wish. It's not a suggestion. 
This is not optional just for people who are extra spiritual and make a hobby out of being that. No, this is an imperative for all. A command, a necessity which God lays on each one of us as Christians. Growth needs to be typical of your life as Christian. Growth is typical of life in general. It belongs with plant, animal, and human life. How much more with our spiritual life then? Once you come to faith in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are spiritually made alive. Unbelievers are spiritually dead, dead in their sins and trespasses, Paul writes in Ephesians. But believers are alive in Christ. They've been given life in Christ. And being given life would then imply at the same time growth. Something is seriously wrong if Christians don't grow in their relationship with Christ. If there's no growth, there's a reason for uh, concern, deep concern. You know that. Think of think of newborn twins. If one grows bigger and and stronger and the other one doesn't, then time to see the doctor, right? Something's wrong with the child that's not growing like the other one. We expect children to grow, even if a child like that uh, wouldn't get smaller. That would also be a concern if they stayed the same. It should be growth. The same with spiritual growth of a Christian's congregation. God doesn't want us to stay where we are spiritually in a kind of a holding pattern. There needs to be growth. God expects us to grow stronger, sturdier in our relationship with Christ and with Him in Christ. More robust in our faith. Able to more and more live out of Christ. Able to follow Christ more and more closely. Think back on the year that has passed, congregation, 2014. Can you, if you think back on that whole year and you, you add up what you are, you've taken inventory of yourself, can you say that you have experienced growth in your relationship with Christ and growth in the will and the ability to resist sin and to serve Christ? Can you say that you have grown in that? In our text, after all, there is that commandment, grow, and God has that expectation of growth. And we have to take that seriously. It's necessary to the life of every Christian. And that God commands us to that growth in our text also means that that growth is not going to come automatically. It requires participation on our part, too. God gives growth, but we also need to participate in that. He doesn't give growth without us, automatically. And you can think here maybe of how we're involved in the growth of the plants in our gardens. God gives those plants growth 
we need to see that those plants are well watered and fertilized and we have to pull the weeds out which can choke the good plants keep weeding a beautiful and growing garden takes also work on our part even though it is God who gives that growth well the same the same holds for our spiritual growth in faith and in the fruits of that faith so there are things we need to do to promote that spiritual growth, and we'll deal with that shortly. But first we come to the second part of the sermon, the areas of that growth. You notice, congregation, that our text mentions two areas of growth, grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And let's begin with that uh, growth in, in knowledge. To know Christ that's also emphasized in that first part of 2 Peter 1 that we, meant, we read. Knowledge of Christ. We first need to know about him. And we know about Christ from the gospel, the Bible that God has given us. The Bible, after all, gives us the facts about Christ coming to this earth and about his work here. How else would we know about that? We gain knowledge about Christ, especially from the New Testament. But not on, only the New Testament. The whole Bible is about Christ and his coming and his work of salvation. Think of the two men walking along the road to Emmaus after Christ's resurrection. They were discussing what had happened over that past weekend. That Good Friday, the crucifixion of Christ and so on. How he had been arrested, how Jesus had been arrested, tried, crucified and buried. And now there were reports of his resurrection from some women, but they weren't sure about that. And then they were suddenly joined by the Lord Jesus Christ on that road. Their ability to recognize them and be taken away temporarily. Jesus understood that they, they did not understand what had happened to him back there in Jerusalem. So he undertook to add to their knowledge of him. Luke tells us, Luke 24, that beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All the scriptures. Jesus took them all the way back to Genesis to begin to fill them in with a knowledge about himself. He said, listen, this was about me and, and there in Exodus 2 and Leviticus took them through the, the prophets and the, the, through all the books of Moses, the whole Old Testament, to increase their knowledge about him and about his work as Savior and his being. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, in order to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we need to grow in the knowledge of the Bible and the doctrines of the Bible as a church over time has gathered them together and, and put them in the confessions over history. Over time, knowledge of those confessions also helps us to know the Bible then. To know Christ from the Bible, a small, small commercial here, congregation for catechism instruction. That is growing in knowledge there for young people. But we all need to grow in that knowledge. However, there's more to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ than just knowing the facts and the doctrines about him from the Bible as also summarized in our confessions. Knowing in the Bible also has the dimension of knowing personally. 
And, and you know, the old way of speaking, um, Adam knew Eve, and, and she conceived that it's a knowing in love. So it's experiencing Christ in a personal way. Think of that. Think of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3 about having gained Christ. What a, what a miracle it was that he, with all his pharisaical background, gained Christ. He dumped everything else overboard. And he said, I've gained Christ and I desire to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. In other words, Paul wanted to experience Christ personally, have close fellowship with him. And in that same letter to the Philippians, he writes, for me to live is Christ. He, he, he wanted to experience the power of Christ at work in himself, be close to Christ, even through suffering for him as a Christian as Christ had suffered for him. And see, that, that puts another dimension to knowing Jesus Christ. That's a more personal knowing, experience Christ in living for him, suffering for him, even dying for him and in him. That's also what it means to know Christ, to grow in the knowledge of him. God wants us to grow in that knowledge of our Lord and Savior then. Grow in our knowledge of him from the Bible also, knowing him in the sense of wanting to live for him, even if it means sharing in his suffering. Could you say that you grew in that over, over the last year? We're also commanded to grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace. Now, Christ pours his grace into us by his Holy Spirit. To grow in grace is to let his spirit have more room in our hearts and lives. The spirit of Christ works in us then to more and more steer our lives to obey his word. The more we let Christ's spirit work in our hearts and lives through the word, the more we grow in grace. In other words, the more our lives become uh, Christ-like. More of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is found in our behavior. Growth in love, in joy, in peace, patience, in growth in kindness, in goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Adding these things to your faith, as, Paul, as Peter writes at the beginning of 2 Peter. Adding this part to that, to that, to that, to that. Congregation... Thinking about that, you realize there's lots of room for all of us to grow, right? In grace and knowledge. A mature Christian will be the most wonderful person around. The very salt of the earth. The best neighbor anybody could ever wish for. That person will obviously be Christ-like. That means lots of room. If you think about that, then, then there's lots of room for all of us to grow, isn't there? We all have lots of growing to do. And maybe a word yet about the balance as far as those two areas of growth is concerned. 
We're commanded by God to grow both in grace and knowledge. To rephrase that, God wants us to both to grow in head and heart. Christians shouldn't resemble Mr. Potato Head. All head, no heart. Neither should they be all heart, all feeling, no substance. Head and heart have to grow in proportion to one another. It's been said that Reformed Christians tend to have lots of head knowledge, fall short in grace, heartfelt passion for Christ. On the other hand, I'm, I'm speaking generalities, of course, many evangelicals I know have lots of heart and passion but come short on the knowledge. And there's some truth in that, I believe, but God wants us to grow both in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. He mentions those two here. And the one, in other words, is not good without the other. Grow, growing toward maturity in Christ means growing in those two together. Knowledge and grace belong together. And God commands us to grow like that. Commands us. Also, this new year congregation. I don't know, maybe you made a resolution. Used to be a bigger thing than it is today, but maybe you made a resolution for 2015. This should be the main one. To grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But how? How to grow like that? And that brings us to the last part of the sermon this morning, the means to that growth. So there's that need to grow in Christ. God commands us to grow in the knowledge and grace of Christ. What can we do to promote this growth and knowledge and this growth in knowledge and grace to which we're called as Christians? What can we do? In the first place, the Lord has provided us with those two means for spiritual growth, the word and the sacraments, sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And I've already said some things about the place of the word as far as growing in the knowledge of Christ is concerned, but we need that word to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ too. Growth in the knowledge of the Bible and its doctrines need to be accompanied by growth in grace too. Take that knowledge to heart. Grow in our love for our Savior through that. In the part of 1 Peter 2, which we referred to earlier on, Peter instructs Christians as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. There are plenty of nutrients in here. Spiritual nutrients for growth. Congregation. Peter refers to it, therefore, as the pure milk of the word, perfectly able to give growth. Like mother's milk has everything in it a child needs to grow. Lots of nutrition, plenty of food for every believer to grow. The most theological and the most plain believer But it doesn't do any good if, unless we take the time and and make the effort to drink it in. 
It's all here, but if we leave it on the shelf, we get no nutrition out of it, spiritual nutrition. Personally, also in worship. When you're called to worship, the Lord calls you. And the Bible puts a lot of emphasis on that preaching of the word in worship. That's why in Reformed churches, the the proclamation of the word is central. And one of the great advantages we as Reformed believers have is that we have organized it so that there are two worship services every Lord's Day, two regular occasions to get nourishment, spiritual nourishment from the word and grow toward maturity in Christ as God commanded. Make sure then, brothers, sisters, young people, that you faithfully are here for worship then. And don't miss an opportunity to take in that pure milk of the word and grow in Christ, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And ever since the invention of the printing press, Christians have been able to supplement a diet of steady preaching of the word with personal Bible reading and study too. We all have a Bible at home, I'm sure, and with the invention of the internet, we, we can even read it on the internet or on our devices. It's available, so available. But do we take the time to actually read it and study it? Not all the other books, which can be quite confusing, but maybe sometimes helpful, but often quite confusing, but actually take the word and study it to leave it closed is to rob yourself of additional vitamins and minerals which help give good growth and every bible study evening and catechism class is an opportunity to take some extra spiritual sustenance for growth and you might think you don't get much spiritual nutrition out of spending time reading the Bible or being in Bible study or catechism, but don't fool yourself. The Word of God is pure and powerful nutrition for anyone desiring to grow in the Savior. And even a small sip helps spiritual growth. So that's the Word, and don't forget the sacraments. They're supplementary to the word as nourishment for the soul. They're additional vitamins needed to help your spiritual growth. They fortify against doubt and temptation and strengthen the spirit. Use the sacraments. So the Lord provides word and sacrament for our spiritual growth. It's it's up to us now to take that nourishment in. And those vitamins so we can grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So plain. And straightforward. And simple. And easy. In the second place if we want to obey that command of God in our text to grow in the knowledge and grace of Christ. We also have to avoid everything that can hinder that growth. Everything that's harmful avoid that if you don't remove the weeds from your garden not much is going to grow there the weeds will eventually take over completely if you don't take care to protect a child from diseases that child's health will be compromised and growth same with our spiritual life 
We need to do our utmost to avoid what is harmful to the health of our souls. And that means, for instance, being discerning, for instance, being discerning about who we socialize with, even. Paul writes 1 Corinthians 15, bad company ruins good morals. If we're friends with the world, the Lord Jesus said we can't be friends with God. Be discerning. And discerning, for instance, about what you watch on television, what sites you visit on the internet. Realize that the devil is lying in wait to see if he can undermine your spiritual health and stop your spiritual growth. Like a virus wanting to attack you and stop you from growing. I think we all know what hinders our relationship with Christ. And we need to be honest with ourselves and with each other and avoid those things and keep ourselves in an atmosphere that encourages spiritual growth in Christ. Pull the weeds. In the third place, if we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, we have to exercise. Spiritual exercise is good. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, exercise yourself in godliness. Taking in good spiritual food isn't all we need to do to grow. If if there's going to be healthy spiritual growth, there should also be spiritual exercise. Think of a child. If that child is confined and is not allowed to go, get out and get any exercise, they're not going to develop physically as they should. A child like that. Good growth is hindered. And development. And the same holds true for our spiritual life. We need to put into practice what we believe. Self-discipline is necessary for that, but practice godly living. Practice it. Doing what God says in his word. Practice that. You might know all about the piano. You know, how the piano works and produces sound if it's played with notes. You can know all the technical things about it, but you're not going to be able to play that instrument unless you practice and practice and practice. Same with your spiritual life. We know what self-control is. We have to practice it, self-control. Practice it in order to grow in it. Exercise that. We know what kindness is. It has to be exercised in order to grow it in it as Christ wants us to. If we don't attempt to even show kindness, how are we going to grow in that fruit of the Spirit? And another way to grow in Christ as God commands us to grow is a fourth means, I could say, is rest. Rest. And that might not sound strange, but think about it. Children need good rest in order to grow properly. They've got to go to bed at a certain time. You need your rest. Good rest is vital for growth. Also for spiritual growth. And that means resting your mind and soul. Resting your mind and soul. What an opportunity on the day of rest 
to rest your mind and soul. And congregation, it means resting in God from day to day. You know, gearing down from what all that preoccupies you. Some Christians who are always agitated over some question or other and can't understand why God allows this or does that and they want to figure everything out and their minds can't find rest. And life is busy. But the thing is, we need to be able to be still and know that God is over all things and that ultimately he knows what he's doing and we can leave it with him and we have to come back to that every time again and that you come to that also through prayer prayer is rest resting in God congregation we don't even make ourselves Christians God does that but Cultivating rest for our souls and minds by accepting that God is in control and knows all and that he also is over our lives and what happens there and that we can give things into his hands. That aids spiritual growth, that kind of rest. So, congregation, even though God is the one who gives spiritual growth, there are those four things we can do ourselves to promote that, uh, that growth in Christ, our own growth in Christ, in the relationship with him and with God through him. And let's not forget that in our text, we have that, uh, we have that apostolic command to grow in those two areas, knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if we're going to obey that command... And grow this new year. It should be our resolution to put every effort into nourishing. And promoting that growth. Using the means we have. The word and the sacraments. Maintaining spiritual health. Putting into practice what the Bible plainly says. And resting in God's promises. And congregation. Think about that. Work at that. And then 2015 will be a year of growth for you. It can't be. But if you take in that nourishment, have that exercise, that rest, and so on, that you will grow. Grow toward maturity in Christ. So that when he comes, and he is coming, he has promised that, so that when he comes, he will recognize you as one of his. That's one of mine. Amen.